Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. I was really ill and I was really, really ill this time. I couldn't actually get out of bed and they diagnosed me with having ME and they told me that I'd never work again. It was pretty shit. It was really bad. I was really depressed. I built my business from my sickbed. I didn't really have any money. I found a keyboard on the street and my boyfriend gave me a monitor. When people and circumstances keep knocking you down, you could be forgiven for crawling into a corner and staying there. If you're Joanna Brown, you come back fighting. I'm Matt Bowen, and this is Phototypes. It's Matt freaking Bowen. It's very hard to put Joanna Brown in any sort of photography box or genre, and I get the sense that if anyone tried to, then she wouldn't like the structure of it. And you'll understand the reference there when you listen to this podcast. Joe opens up so much during this episode of Phototypes, it really is a compelling emotional listen. So I'm going to shut up and we can say hello to Joanna Brown. Hello, Matt. How's it going? Yeah, good, good. Good. Excited about chatting to you. Good. I'm excited to have you, and I'm sure lots of our listeners are excited to hear what you've got to say. First of all, then, as we ask everybody at the start of this podcast, just tell us where you are physically. Look around you and what you can see. Ah, right. Well, I'm sitting in my tiny little office in my house. Basically, it's um, in the spare bedroom, so there's pictures all around me, taped up with my signature um, washi tape pictures of memories that are personal to me there's nothing really work-wise apart from my wedding checklist in front of me which is to remind me what to take to weddings everything else is pretty much um stuff that's personal to me and not particularly work orientated is it a tidy office are you a tidy worker hell no i'm like a pig in shit (laughs) as my dad once described me um yeah there seems to be a disparity between my brain and then tidiness. Um, I've got more important things to do, and I think my brain sort of prioritises the fun stuff over kind of being organised. I do have moments when I can be organised. Um, obviously, I need to be organised for work. And then, apart from that, it's just kind of free reign. Are you a tidy photographer? Hmm, no. Well, you work with me, Matt, and I'm sure I've said to you at one stage where's my camera or have I left something in a hedge? (laughs) I tend to be quite, I guess, without using the cliche, in the moment. Um, And that's when my kit is kind of secondary to kind of my eyes, if you see what I mean. They're my vehicles, which I I sort of fling around with gay abandon, um, especially when I kind of get really excited about what I'm shooting. So no, but what I am good at is being organised in terms of where I've got to go, what time I've got to do it. 
so the admin side of the work especially with weddings um i'm good at that for, for the day but probably people look at me and probably think i'm nearing a nervous breakdown as they're watching me because it probably doesn't look very cohesive or neat or slick but in your head you kind of know what's going on I totally know what I'm doing. It feels like, it's like I've got this clarity. It's weird. It's like it all comes together. It's like I can see this vision in front of me, almost like I'm looking through the eye of a needle. It all just kind of seems to channel. And I don't know how. I don't know. um, Yeah, I really still don't know what it is. It's like I'm having an an out-of-body experience. This sounds ridiculous, but it is... It is on that level of being in that moment, listening, feeling, looking, and somehow it comes together for me in a photographic image using um, my tool. Yeah, I don't know if any of that makes any sense. Has it always been like that, or is that something you've learned over experience, or have you just been kind of, is that a natural thing that has happened to you? I think it bit me on the ass, and it was like a natural thing. Um, which happened to me and I didn't fall into I didn't sort of go into photography with any expectations um I when, when I first started I guess I was sort of I was, I was really conscious of what I was trying to do probably too conscious and and I didn't let myself do things instinctively and then once I started to relax um, and the way that I was taught is we had to learn the kind of structure of photography and follow the rules before we were allowed to break them. Um, and at university, we could only shoot black and white for the first year because my tutor was like, don't want you to get distracted by colour, just want you to be looking at form, composition, shadow, texture, light, that's it. Um, and so we, uh, it was quite strict and I found that really, really difficult um, to have to s- stay true to sort of very strict sort of parameters. And then as soon as they sort of said, right, you're ready to kind of now go off with your visual language to do what you want to do, I guess then I kind of relaxed and started exploring more what was instinctive to me and how I work and that that feeling and that notion of it it coming together in a moment that's when that began for me and that's where I kind of that's kind of my go-to place where I it's sort of sacred it's like I have to preserve that it's it, it's it's a fragile place it's, it's a kind of it's you can't just roll that out again and again and again if that makes sense okay let's rewind back then from where you are now and tell us how you got to this point in your life well I'm quite old <laughs> so um I guess significant sort of key events to where I am here. At at college, when I did my A-levels, I wanted to do sociology and it didn't fit in with the timetable and I was given an option of chemistry, French or media studies. I remember speaking to the woman and I just said, is that watching telly? And she said, yeah. And I was (laughs) like, brilliant, I'll do that. Um, And then we had like a little um, photography option in that and I, and I liked it, and I was like, this is pretty cool. Um, started looking through a lens then, I guess, but sort of downplaying it and thinking, oh, you know, it's kind of okay. <clears throat> um, I was always really artistic at school, but I failed my GCSE because I didn't conform to the structure again of the project. 
and so I failed and so I kind of was this you know hor horrible tortured failed artist um not really know what I was doing so I was downplaying the photography but secretly loving it um and then another twist of fate I went to uni and applied to do sociology again and got ill with glandular fever I had to leave university because I was because I slept for a term um <clears throat> and actually what I worked out was that I had better grades than I was predicted um so I went back to the same city, but to the polytechnic, not the university, and applied to do like a media arts course, which had photography as kind of a 60%, 40% theory. So again, completely unrehearsed, I went and did that, loved it. And then from then on in, that's kind of, I've never looked back really. I, I got um, trained in the dark room on film. I don't even think I used a computer for my dissertation. I think I did it on like a typewriter and I did it all about rave culture um, so I was particularly enjoying that at the time Yeah. Um, and then from that basically I got a job working in a magazine office um, in Brighton after I left uni it was a really small office <clears throat> and then they kind of gave me loads of different roles I did lots of graphic design for them still doing my photography I was doing Saturday courses at the uni where I could just basically, I was using their facilities, doing my own projects, making my housemates like wrap them in clean film and just stupid things, projects that I set myself. I did the Brighton um, Fringe exhibition, did some open houses, all that kind of thing. I was basically exhibiting my work. Got made redundant, went to Australia, worked as a photographer's assistant whilst living in a van totally winging it and it was boring I had to sort of photograph duvet covers and it was so boring and had a great time came back trained to be a teacher right um in further education uh specializing in art and design so then I started lecturing um in photography and kind of media arts film um art installations more sort of arty based stuff again <clears throat> I was applying for grants and funding to do my own work and get exhibitions which I started to do so yeah so still doing sort of still darkroom um, photography that was still going then what happened then oh yeah I quit teaching is um, funnily enough I didn't like the structure of the institution funny that it's funny that it's almost like a, a running theme hmm. um, I couldn't conform to it I couldn't I tried I really tried and I love my students and um I probably wasn't very teacherly. I had some of the best times there, really, talking about practitioners and art and stuff like that, but I couldn't conform, couldn't jump through the hoops. So I quit and worked in a cider farm <clears throat> and <laughs> drank lots of cider, cycled around lots and lived in a cottage with my then boyfriend. So that went on for a few years, sort of losing my way. I was pissed off, I was angry, I think. Um, so I didn't. I remember throwing my camera out of the window. Oh, a bit rock and roll. Yeah, <laughs> it was a bit of a, 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 a yeah. And then, weirdly enough, the landlord of where I was living in this place called Muddles Green, um, his mum—I'm going to forget her name—but basically, his mother was the photographer who was Man Ray's muse who photographed Hitler in the bath. Do you remember? What's her name? I don't remember. Oh, 
man. I will, I will find out and uh, we'll put find it as a note. And... But it was a weird twist of fate. And then I was like, oh, shit. And I started looking at her work again and thinking, I've got to get back on it. And it was almost like could have rented any cottage anywhere. And it just happened to be. It was the Penrose estate. Um, mm. I think Penrose. But if you look it up, in Muddles Green. And then I then moved back to Brighton and tried then... Um, I was delivering sandwiches on a bike, um, being a, a receptionist in alternative health clinics. That's another passion of mine. Um, I was working with lots of um, sort of hippie um, practitioners in Brighton, cycling around, then exhibiting my work. Then I bumped into this guy. I mean, this sounds ridiculous. Bumped into this guy um, in a bar, not in that weird way. And he was like, I'm set, setting myself up as a wedding photographer. You're a photographer, da 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 da. Come and work for, for me. We can go into business together. Brilliant. This sounds all right. I hadn't a clue. I'd obviously shot a couple of weddings. I shot my sister's, yeah. my mum's, and my dad's. That's a bit weird uh, in itself. Yeah, okay. Not um, many people get to do that. No, all on film as well. And I'd shot my best friends as well. Only as favours, like not as a kind of a wedding. And I'd never even looked at a wedding photograph. Um, so, so I did a couple of weddings with this guy, and he told me I was crap. He was a fish, and basically fired me and said that I would never make it and that I was awful. Um, cheers for that. I won't name and shame him. Oh, I was going to get him on the next podcast. <laughs> yeah, like, you know when it says, who else should I interview? Interview him. Um, Is he yeah, still so a photographer? They... <laughs> I don't know. Last time I looked at it, it wasn't looking good. So then um, I kind of got a taste for it and sort of thought, hmm, this could be interesting. Because what I liked about it was the different genres that suddenly you were kind of thrust into. And so I decided... I always set myself up on my own. Meanwhile, there's always a little twist of fate. Mm. I got ill with glandular fever again. Again. So basically, I've got this sort of cycle of kind of unhealthiness. So basically, I was really ill and I was really, really ill this time. And um, I couldn't actually get out of bed. And they diagnosed me with having ME. And they told me that I'd never work again, basically that. It was pretty shit. It was really bad. I was really depressed. And I built my business from my sickbed. I didn't really have any money. I found a keyboard on the street and my boyfriend gave me a monitor. And I used to... Um, oh, a computer keyboard, not like a Casio. <laughs> not like a Casio, but it was like a really old-fashioned one. Because in Brighton, there's this thing where people leave stuff on the street. Like, it's normal. Right. If you don't want it, you just put it on the street. Within two hours, it's gone. Okay. It's kind of like charity shopping for the lazy. Um, it's sort of free cycling, I guess. Um, and I used to call Emma Case when I first um, got to know her. And she, she could hear the sound of the keyboard because it was just so old-fashioned. So basically... I was really ill. I didn't have any money. Beg, borrowed and stole kind of goods mm. to set up my business. So um, when, when they said to you that you would never work, what inside you said, actually, I am going to work and I'm going to do this? Well, here goes my swear word. I thought, fuck you. I don't want to be labelled. Because it's like I went to some clinics and there's people just sitting around just looking like, you know, it's, it's just bad news. Like, I get it that like, you've got an illness, but... 
the prognosis of ME is really horrendous. They can't do anything and they don't think you're going to get any better. And basically, I did this timetable, or I timetable, this sounds really ridiculous, but basically, I had the philosophy that if I could elongate the times of activity, i.e. not to sleep, then I could build up some sort of um, my immunity again. So basically, I would do stuff for 10 minutes, and then I have to lie down for 30 minutes. I had a timetable, my, my weeks like that, and go through each day, like, small bursts of activity followed by lots of sleeping. Um, it's just sound absolutely ridiculous. It was, it was hell. I was really depressed. But all the while, still taking photographs. It's kind of like my common theme. I've had, I guess, in my life, I guess I've had quite a few sort of big emotional health problems not that I think that um and it's kind of the photography pushes me through it sounds ridiculous but it's the only thing it's it's the only thing I guess I wear my heart on my sleeve I'm quite emotional um which then can make you quite vulnerable at the same time quite strong I've got a real strength of character because I've been through quite a lot on a personal basis and then quite a lot of health issues that have re you know, required me to be completely resilient and kind of a fighter. Um, but at the same time, I'm quite vulnerable as, as, as a result of that. And I guess people don't really know that. Maybe what I'm doing is that I'm channeling, I'm getting in touch with that and, it, and I'm using my camera as a vehicle, as a tool, where I'm, where I'm in those moments, regardless, but I'm tapping into those moments, and hopefully that translates to the images that I produce. It's that touch. I'm, I'm touching the world through my lens. I'm physically touching it. I'm smelling it. I'm listening to it. It's, it's me. And I, and I, and I remember. I always used to say to my students that I should be, whatever subject you're photographing, I should be able to see your personality. It's like a mirror. Like I, I can look at some photographs that I'm looking on my wall now and I can see elements of me. I understand that it's like a mirror, even though I'm looking at a picture of a, of a dead rose. I, I can see myself in that picture. And for me, a good photographer, you should be able to see that. In those significant moments that you've had, either personally or um, physically with your illnesses, has your photography reflected those moments or has it stayed quite consistent in its style and themes? Yeah, I guess what I do is, instead of kind of being like at uni or sort of set a project, I guess I've used the confines of my experiences to kind of dictate to me. So obviously when I had ME and I was, I was ill, I couldn't really go anywhere. So I'm just using what's around me, what I've got in my flat. I remember I did lots of stuff about different times of day and looking at the light and photographing things in different times of the day in my flat and seeing the tones and, and the shifting colours. I was photographing, kind of, I think, a lot of weeds. I was photographing, <laughs> sort of like, you know, when... Um, plants are trying to grow out concrete I was looking yeah. at that because I was living in Brighton and and there wasn't much green space and I think I was really craving that because I, sort of I grew up in the countryside so I guess whatever I've got going on 
it it's kind it kind of gives me it orientates me physically somewhere and then and then I explore that it like my media environment um with the energy that I've got and maybe so I'm not looking at a subject matter like illness or depression I'm not looking at it like that I'm just going okay here I am living at this moment I'm in this place this is my tool let's go look at the world engage with the world mm-hmm. it's that unscripted let's finish off the story then of, of how you got to where you are now sure okay yeah this so then, particular moment in time yeah so from my sick bed I built up a business when I say built it up I meant just did the kind of the groundwork in terms of like it appeared that I had a business which I didn't really have one but I was that was what I was hoping for um because it takes time to build up a business but I had lots of sort of thinking time so I sort of worked on strategies of kind of building up business and um making work creating work and creating the illusion that I had a business before I had one if that makes sense and then funnily enough I think if you have that intention and and I was very focused I had nothing else really going on in my life so I could give it all of my focus and I knew that I was so passionate about it and I made the decision that I wasn't going to compromise in my style of photography so then that kept my interest because if I hadn't if I'd looked at other wedding photographers at that point I probably would have shot myself in the head and thought this looks depressing so I don't know how with sheer hard work and determination my business has grown I'm in year five of officially running a business like a proper person so I'm 40 like a proper grown-up with a child and year five of a business and it still feels like a bit, bit of a muddle to be honest but from the outside it probably looks completely different I guess my one thing about my path to this point is I've always been very honest I've taken risks I've had fate intervene and I followed my heart. I remember when I quit teaching and my mum told me I was mad. And I actually I hadn't even planned it. I just ended up in 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 the um in the office of, of, of the course leader. Before I knew what I was saying, I, I was saying to her, I'm, I'm I, I don't want to do this, I'm quitting. It's like it's like one one key event led on to another, led on to another, led on to another. And it's all been very honest. Everything I've been through has got me to this place and that's why I think it's very important that people's journeys are really important because we're only a product of those journeys and journeys are personal to us and to follow your journey to follow your heart follow what you see follow what makes your heart go boom which is you know my little thing um yeah you just got I, I keep that in my mind's eye and it seems a good and happy place on the outside. Is that is that what it's like? Is it a good and happy place? What now? Yeah, I am happy. I suppose I'm. I suppose I guess the thing about me is, for a long time, I was searching. Sort of got that unrest. I guess it's not being content. I've never, I've never felt like that girl who was sorted. Um, I had, you know, I've got red hair, so no one really wanted to go out with me when I was younger. I never fitted in. You know, things just don't happen in the way that it's supposed to for me, I think. Um, 
and so I guess uh, you know I'm not married nothing's happened in that sort of traditional no movies sense yeah 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 <laughs> but there hasn't there hasn't been much security I guess in in my life and so I guess I've made the most of kind of being able to kind of go with the flow so I guess how I describe myself right now is I'm for once I'm quite content and it's a weird feeling it's like a, it's a restful feeling and I guess maybe if you've met me 10 years ago you put my energy would probably be a bit different I'd be still got this hunger and this thirst but not found my 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 personal place where I can rest it sounds like from what you've been saying though that if you'd had had that sort of traditional um things happen to you like marriage and, and whatnot that you wouldn't have enjoyed it because you don't like that structure and is that fair to say yeah but I also think a part of it is like I've had I've developed a resilience of like having to cope or or kind of this is good space is getting deep now mm-hmm. um oh, I, don't, I don't know how to describe it I think part of me would have liked the easy ride of course like like I'm not saying like my life's been a struggle like it's not I'm not like on the bread line but in sort of personal kind of you know mental kind of or with my creativity it's it's a struggle there's stuff going on it's like relentless it's relentless which has propelled me I guess and made me who I am and and I guess having the business has made me focus and has given me an outlet for me to to create work, which is what I've always been doing. I've always been creating work since I was 18, 22 years. Jesus Christ, I've got shitloads of photos everywhere, and, and and it's a bit all over the place. At least now I've got, like, one genre where I, I'm going back to. It's kind of given me a bit of stability, I guess. But, you know, I've got my, my sidelines with, with the other stuff that I do. I guess it's that insatiable appetite of creating work wanting to make more work um but on the whole yeah I am happy you're a big advocate of printing out photographs aren't you you've got your own print shop as well we've kind of lost sight of printing out pictures and I know that you're a big advocate of doing that well I reckon um I I think I can still remember like the first time I was in the darkroom at uni printing I got really annoyed that to begin with I thought this is a load of shit this is just it made me really hungry and I was slightly afraid of the dark um, <laughs> and it's it's difficult it's it's difficult we'd have to do- When you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at bluenile.com you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. 
do the whole develop the film first in the pitch black so many times I would do it and like you know one and a half hours later of peeing off a lid of a thing and rolling on the spool and getting the kept you know buggering it up and then thinking this is crap that's that's like a whole week's work gone and then to actually then come to do the actual printing is difficult because you, you have to be neat and precise which I'm clearly not so I really would I found it my nemesis and then when I when it clicked how I understood it and then realized that that my hands were touching every process and I was dodging and burning. I was physically getting the light coming on the piece of paper and physically putting it in the fixer, doing, doing lots of stuff. It started becoming this magical kind of um, tactile experience that I was really creating something and then hanging it up. And then, you know, from start to finish, you've got your hands on this thing. There's nothing like that. And with the digital age, everything's in a bloody, you know, screen. I'm not the screen generation. I think that's the difference. I'm 40. We did... Did I say that again? <laughs> you tell me, honestly. It's a disaster being 40. We'll, we'll but, give um, out your address later so people can send presents and cards. Yeah, any <laughs> cards, anything. Yeah. Just, yeah, send me some film. Um, so, yeah, I'm not a screen generation girl. I'm a scrapbook. I was brought up on scrapbook, sticking stuff paper um we weren't really allowed to watch a telly i used to have a telly in my cupboard it's not my preferred thing I, I, you know I, I had to learn digital photography i bloody hated it and i'm still not that enamored to be honest um so yeah i'm all about the print i'm all about the physical i'm all about that process how would you <laughs> describe yourself then as a photographer that's a tricky one as in what my pictures look like Well, let me ask you this then. You've said that you aren't like a massive fan of structure and a lot of weddings are kind of structured and traditional in the way that they run. Pretty much most weddings run the same. There's a ceremony, there's pictures, then there's food, then there's dancing. How do you deal with that? Or do you kind of work with your customers, your couples to think, right, you're going to do it slightly differently. That's a fit for me. You're shooting for a long time, aren't you? in a day, the moments you pick and how you shoot it is the thing that's unique to you. As long as I'm putting out that, the stuff that's unique to me, the how I'm gonna capture a day, then my clients know that's what they're gonna expect. So I guess I have some degree of freedom with every shot that where there's an expectation that I can shoot it in the way that I wanna shoot it. That's what I'm trying to strive for. It's a tricky one because sometimes I, there's a push and a pull with me because sometimes I'm thinking, what about the mum? What, what what does she want to see? Is she going to get that? Like, that's what I want to see. But does, is the mum going to want that? Is that relevant? Is it about my ego? Is that me then putting my stamp on it too much? But then again, go back to the first point that I made and, and you know, that... A good photographer, you should be able to see that photographer's vision. So I'm assuming, like, I can't preempt what the mum wants. Like, if I'm worrying about the mum all day, I'm just going to be, like, all over the place. Mm. I have to get into that space, what I talked to you about, that 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 that, that place where it's, it all comes together. 
where I'm in, where I can shoot from, that's not about the mum. I guess there's parts of the day, like the family shots, and then, you know, I probably will do a few shots. I think, shit, mum probably want that. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I'm, I'm slipping them in, but the rest of the time, I'm trying to get into that space where it's coming together that I'm, I'm shooting what I'm seeing or what I'm feeling or how it feels or how it sounds or how it, you know, if I'm just going to reach out and touch it, like, what's that? I've just shot this a Greek wedding, which was so crazy. And there's one standout picture and really nothing much is going on, but there's something called a stolisma. Stolisma. That's my bad Greek accent. Um, where they do this thing in the morning and it's all to do with the tradition and the family come around. So I'm in some semi-detached house in, in Wembley. The house is packed with people, packed, 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 packed. There's all this, because it's her family home, there's stuff everywhere. And there's this shot and it's just a sea of heads. It's just a sea of heads with sort of arms and, and you can... But it's almost silhouetted because it, it's just this lay, it's just this layering and layering of of her family together there for her. Then and and that to me is me shooting what I was seeing. Mm. Oh, it, that shot to me is really powerful. It's it's the layering of the people that love her in this chaotic always beautiful it look they look like swans some of them it just it's 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 that that to me is i guess i can't remember the question now but if that <laughs> no that sounds beautiful that... <laughs> i like that i like where you went with it we will uh look forward to that picture on your blog we've talked about kind of you and the way that you shoot what what inspires that and what has inspired you in the past well at uni oh i guess you know we drum you know it's it's all the classics that were drummed into you back then. Man Ray, Ansel Adams, Martin Parr, um, Nan Golden, all of those greats, greats, brilliant, bloody brilliant. Studied them a lot. And then I think I sort of rebelled against that a little bit after I left uni. I was looking at sort of fashion photographers. Corrine Day, all those kind of people were kind of coming up then. Never been a fan of ranking. I thought it was a bit of a dick. <laughs> I think even so, he thinks he's a bit of a dick sometimes. So I guess I sort of had the classic sort of text to read, Susan Sontag, Ways of Seeing. Um, so I sort of did did lots of studying. Um, and then what I guess I got really excited was using photography and playing with it more. So then I'd look at, um, is it Richard Hamilton who does he uses like paint with photography um, I was looking at Sophie Cow, who does lots of installation she um, she looking at I guess photography from more of an arts perspective so Sophie Cow, for instance she posed as a chambermaid in a Parisian hotel and she photographed their unmade beds and stuff um she would follow people round sounds a bit creepy um but it's just beautiful beautiful work so kind of really looking at sort of it more from an an artistic 
left field point of view as opposed to you know studying I guess when I was at uni I was looking at kind of the fundamentals looking at shadow composition form all the kind of basic elements of that makes stuff um the photography light obviously um narrative um and then once I left then looking at it more on a free free-flowing basis so sort of coming away from that and I was yeah looking at things that I that appealed to me really so looking at fashion images um and also other people that influenced me I've written down here are painters because mm-hmm. I had a little moment where I wanted to be a painter as well that was short-lived it was that was because useful. you can't paint or because you just did something else I wasn't very good at being in a studio mm. I, I couldn't I couldn't do it it was like I needed to be in the world with people and I liked the idea of being like having some dungarees on and having <laughs> you know paint brushes which I used to do what a dickhead some paint brushes sort of like sticking out my back pocket um, and looking a bit tortured and smoking lots of fags mm. check um and I liked the the physicality of it. I, I loved. I, I I only painted on like huge canvases, which were completely impractical. Um, but I was I was sort of um, yeah. So I was looking at lots of painters, and weirdly, I guess what that really sort of secured for me was this idea of texture and touch for me, with and kind of linking that back into my photography and colour um I was always attracted to a really sort of very specific palette of colours with my painting and and obviously light um so there's one painter called Peter Doig he is amazing um it's quite dark his paintings as well so I quite liked that I quite like that sort of stillness and, and the darkness of of painting I'd like to be a painter maybe in my next life but um so I guess I love the greats. I love the sort of the, the quirky artists using sort of um, photography. I love painters. Peter Doig, Ansel Kiefer, amazing painter. Um, Edward Hopper. Um, you know, it's a classic. I love Tracy Emin. I love, she. you know, not, I, I don't think she's particularly... I wouldn't really want one of her pieces of work but what she puts into her work and her journey I'm interested in that and and I guess I really wrap my brain thinking is there one photographer who I really really come back to and there is and he's called Dwayne Michaels and I come back to him time and time and time again and it'd be interesting if you look up his work you may just go oh yeah I get it I get it I get get why she comes back to this person um but outside of that, I I guess I'm also, you know, I'm looking at a full sensory experience of, of, of the way I work, i.e. Um, I'm tapping into sound, I'm tapping into touch, I'm tapping into lots of different things. I'm tr- I, don't, I don't want to close myself off. I'm not a purist. I'm, I'm borrowing things from here, there and everywhere. But I don't want to be looking at the places where everyone else is looking. I want to be, you know, if they're looking over there, brilliant, because I'm over here looking in this in this direction, and, and I don't really want anyone to follow me. It sounds a bit weird. It's like going off into the secret garden. It's it's like my my world that I'm crafting. 
So that's your inspirations. Who is your biggest influence? I think my first photography teacher at uni was quite a big influence. He also told me I was crap at it. Um, I was desperate for him to just say once, you've, you've, you've got something here. He never did. He Can never we name did. and shame him? Greg Lucas. He was a stand-up comic as well as um, a photographer. So he had this element of performance, which was nuts with his lectures and stuff. He kind of just, you'd fall in love with him again and again and again and again. Yeah. And he would sort of create these lectures and it was just so, he was so engaging and he was multifaceted and he would bring so much to just photography. I think he really um, brought it to life and because he was hardball and he never said I was any good, I was just desperately, it made me just work and work and work and work and work. Just wanted him to say, well done. And I remember for my last project, he eventually said it was good. Yeah, I was I, just going to say, was he one of those people who just doesn't say that anyone was any good? No, he had a few little soft spots. Little favourites, did he? Little bloody favourites. But for some reason, I think he, I think he thought I was a bit of a nightmare. Um, don't know why. Um, probably because I didn't fit in. I was probably just a bit annoying and a bit. And I would ask him loads of questions. I was that, you know, I was so into it. I just wanted to know more and more and more. He probably just thought, like, oh, just go away. Um, and my last project. I um, did this um, thing about the male gaze, about how women are, are you know, perceived and, and everything we see is, is shot through this male gaze of, of women being beautified, which is, you know, back then there wasn't even Botox or anything. So, you know, it's still there, um, but not so much, you know, it's, it's massive now. Um, so I got a mannequin, a naked woman mannequin, and I carried her around for three months. And I'd put her in certain spots around Leicester, up and down the country, wherever I went, I took this flipping mannequin. And I would stand back and I'd watch people watching the mannequin. And then I would document that. Sounds a bit odd. Probably was it. Not but... coming from you. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, and at the time, <laughs> you know that project he bloody loved and I was like get in so he was a massive inspiration because he pushed me or he brought it alive and then I guess the other inspiration this sounds a bit a bit pants is is my nan when when my nan died she left me like a couple of grand and up until that point I was borrowing cameras mm. and I bought like a, like, a, like a good camera. So she inspired me. She, she, I kind of, yeah, it's like, and she was a hardworking Yorkshire lass um, who was always sort of a bit, a bit of a loner. She's had quite a hard life, but she's always a fighter. And so I guess I carry that around with me. What excites you? What, what makes you get out of bed in the morning, apart from your little boy? Oh my God, yeah. God, if I could sleep... I don't think I have a choice not to. That sounds ridiculous. I call it like so, like it sounds ridiculous. It's never it's never off. I can't not take a picture. I can't not think visually. I can't. I was talking to um, Glenn, my boyfriend, the other day. We watched the Stephen Hawkins movie. This is relevant. Um, and 
I was just watching it going, Jesus Christ, he, he's thinking in numbers. He's thinking numbers, numbers, you know, his brain. It blew my mind. And Glenn looked at me and he goes, what are you thinking? And I went, I'm just thinking composition, pictures, lines, colour. And, and, that's, and, and that's it. Like, it doesn't stop. The need to capture it, I don't know where that comes from. Do you sometimes wish it would stop or are you are you happy that it that that is constant? Well, I threw my camera out the window, like <laughs> I've had moments of just like this is bullshit, like this is boring. It's I guess I've mellowed out and I just realised it's 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 like brushing my teeth. It's mm. it's part of who I am, it's it's integral to, to, to my well being actually and what I realise is is if I don't do it then that's worse than anything, really. That sounds dramatic, but um, it is like that. It, it doesn't stop. I can't stop it. I've tried to stop it. I've tried to do other things. It doesn't work. It creeps back in and it takes over. Are we straying then into the territory of what scares you and that being the fact that it, it does stop? Yeah, that'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Like, yeah, I guess what scares me is, is going blind. Hmm. That would just be awful. But then I guess I could still touch. I could still smell. Um, but, yeah, I guess something to affect my sight. Yeah, or suddenly having that appetite suddenly switches, like, it, it, someone switches it off. What would I do? I, I don't know what I would do. Does Glenn consider himself a photography widower? Yeah, I think so. But he's massively into his music. So um, his his... He's like been DJing since year dot and makes music, so that's his thing. Um, so he's he's like this, listening to stuff, whereas I'm wandering around looking at stuff. Um, events somehow eventually we meet up. Some sometimes we don't. We're in our own head spaces. It it is it, it it's not easy. I don't I don't think it's easy living with someone like me. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should get Glenn on and ask him. <laughs> no, don't. <laughs> right, we had a little sneak preview of it, I think, earlier. But what's your favourite swear word? And you've got to say it to me with meaning. Oh, fuck it. <laughs> there is another one, but I really can't say it. Does it begin with C? Yeah, and yeah. a girl should not say it, should, should she? Like, it's it's only if things go really bad, then you know, water cunt. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. You said it now. What does make you say that kind of ridiculous explicit expletive? Bad drivers. Yeah. I get a bit of road rage. This is going to be interesting to hear your answer for this. If you mm. could be anything else for a day, what would it be? Yeah, I thought about this. Uh, and, and I was thinking, oh, I want to try and sound cool. But actually, <laughs> I'm not cool. I'd quite like to be a racing car driver. That's quite cool. Back to the last thing about getting road rage. I'm a bit of a nutter when I drive. Anyone that's been in a car with me probably go, she's right. I really like that thrill and excitement. I used to do this thing when I cycled in Brighton. I used to come down the hills and I used to dare myself to how late I could put my hand, like the brakes on. I like speed. I like that adrenaline. So, yes, please, I will be a racing car driver. Sounds like fun. That's that's quite cool, you know. Do you think? People don't look at Lewis Hamilton and think, now there's an uncool fella. 
Yeah, it's because he's minted. Yeah, well, there you go. But he's pretty cool yeah, along that. with it. That's true, that's true. I don't, yeah, but then I'd get helmet head and I'd look ridiculous. Oh, well, so that'd be the last oh, of your worries, I'm sure. Who, living or dead, would you love to photograph? Again, this is a really tricky pit, uh, picture, tricky um, question. And actually, I spoke to Glenn about it. And the only person I came up with, this sounds really sentimental, is, is my grandmother, Maud. Um, she was... Um, she was really, I had such a close bond with her and she died when I was really young, when I was probably about seven. So I only knew her sort of as that sort of child. Really loved to spend an afternoon with her, talk to her and take her portrait. I'd really love that. I like that idea of taking one portrait of somebody and having that time with someone and really explore what portraiture is. Um, I'd like to do that with her. Okay, this isn't a technical podcast by any means, and we're not talking apertures and anything, but there's be lots of photographers listening who are very interested in what advice you would give to them. And oh, yeah. if you could give them one piece of advice, and it doesn't have, and I'm sensing it won't be a technical thing from you, but don't listen to your lecturers, maybe. <laughs> yeah. No, um, you've got to find your own space. And to find that happy place where it all comes together, the madness, the colours, the lines, the symphony, everything comes together and, and you know you're in that moment taking that picture. Some people say it's like shooting from your heart, where it's completely connected to you as a person. So it's like a, a holistic way of shooting, I guess. So... Think about it as a as as, as a multi sensory experience. What you what what can you hear whilst you're taking that picture? What can you smell? What can you touch? What are the textures? What are the colours? What's the light? So you're really engaging with it in these in this multi layered experience of a picture. Some photographers, I guess, are just looking at what they see and they're taking it. At, just a visual thing I'm talking about going beyond that um, to have the backstory to that on both sides what's your backstory what's the backstory of, of the image get the meeting then you've created something that's truly truly unique if that's possible if that makes any sense yes. so I guess it's about the camera is important it's your tool, but there's, use your senses, everything, to bring it together in that moment within the camera. It's like a lifetime's worth of experience in one picture. It's, it's got to be bursting with it. Can that be learned? I would I say... I guess it can be practised. Yeah. I guess you could be practising that. You could be... So, for instance, you know, at uni, when, you know, the first module was on texture and then the next one's on shadow then the next one's in light the next one's in line you know you could look at you could break break photography down into specific themes and then take that theme and go out and go right I'm just going to look at lines I'm now just going to go and look at reds so I'm now going to just go and look at midday sun you know you, you, you could play with them and then once you started you know looking at all these different elements 
start bringing them back in. They'll start subconsciously feed back in. It's not like every picture I'm going, oh, hang on a minute, the sun's over there and that's there and that's there. And, you know, it's it it's a subconscious thing because I've been doing it for 22 years. So it's it's bubbling under the surface. It's It's present. I'm thinking about it in a photographic way but in in a way with my heart and I'm listening and I'm touching and I'm experiencing it you're aware of your surroundings yeah and aware of me Hmm. me in that surrounding like how how am I interacting with that surrounding what am I looking at what can I see that you won't see or someone else won't see good advice I'm sure um, lots of people will take that on board now Thank you very much for sharing so much with us. We've spoken so long that it's we're nearly talking in pitch black to each other here because neither of us had the lights on at the start of, <laughs> of this chat. Now it just Thank looks you. a bit weird. Um, Thank you. I'm sure lots of people have loved hearing what you've had to say. Um, who would you like to hear in this series of podcasts? Who would you like to uh, find out a little bit more about? Who should I be interviewing? I like Amber Mahoney. She's American. And I connected with her a couple of years ago. She's this Polaroid and she shoots quite a lot of fashion. She looks an interesting cookie. Um, Another one is Holly Fernando. She's like early 20s. Again, fashion photography. She used to work for Julia Boggio's studio. I think she'd be interesting. A big thank you to Joanna Brown for joining me on Phototypes. You can find out more about Jo at joannabrownphotography.com and find her on Instagram at joannabrownuk. To make sure you don't miss any more episodes, remember to subscribe to Phototypes and rate and review each episode, please. We really do appreciate it. If you want to find out more about me, Matt Bowen, then go to theretreat.co and you can have a look at the show's Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash phototypespod. And also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at PhototypesPod. Next week, the mega talent that is Nick Onken. Phototypes is produced and presented by me, Matt Bowen. Our music is by Nick Bentley, Soft Piano and Songs for Cash. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A. FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.